Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. And tonight's edition is our special edition with Federal Career Connections. I'm Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. I am here with Tony Island, Anthony Tony Island. <laughs> I just did air quotes Tony. Tony. <laughs> Anthony Tony Island. Tony, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So Tony has an awesome background. He is uh, currently at the Customs and Border Protection. He has um, an amazing background, years of experience, military veteran, then went into the, um, went, has done some government contracting, has done some work as a VP in multiple government contracts, has done work at the federal government, um, and is currently in the program and project management space. And he is here tonight to talk about mentorship. And when Tony and I were getting ready to have this conversation, we talked about, you know, uh, w- what it is to be a mentor, what, you know, how to become a mentor, all these various things. So, Tony, I want you to take it away. You had the funniest story for me uh, when we first started. So <laughs> or when we chatted, when we, when we had that chat the other night, talk to me, tell us that that funny question that someone asked you and how you answered it. Oh, about why? Why to be a, a mentor or what yes. to get out of mentoring? Well, no, why in the world would you want to be a mentor? Oh, why would I want to be a mentor? Well, when I was, I was very young. I, I came straight out of college and I went into the uh, United States Navy, but I did not go in as an officer. I went in as an enlisted. So I did not fit in with a lot of my peers because I was a little bit older than all of them. And it's also not something that your seniors like when you have a four-year degree and some of them have a high school degree. So there was a little bit of tension from day one, and it made it a little uncomfortable. But what I did have going for me is that I was raised in a military family, and I was groomed to be a Marine Corps officer. And I tricked everybody in my family, and I just screwed everything up. So luckily enough, it's only taken them 20 something years to forgive me. But I was one day screaming and yelling at three E3 and below. I mean, I was screaming to the point where the paint was getting ready to melt with the colorful adjectives that I was using. Oh boy. And I had a master chief, which is an E9, the most senior that you can go in the Navy, uh, walked up behind us and watched us. And, of course, when I got through screaming at them, he just looked at me and smiled and crossed his arms, and I threw them out. I looked at him, and I was just so proud. He was going to tell me what kind of a motivator I was, what kind of a leader. And all he said to me was, if you give them what they want, they will make you successful. But if you give them what they need, you will give them a success. And I realized I had made leadership, mentorship, everything of what I was doing. It was backwards. It was all focused towards me. Mm -hmm. And the second I, that light clicked on in my head, I flipped it. 
And I started spending more time focusing on the individuals that worked with me, not worked for me. No one ever worked for me. They worked with me. And what I started realizing is my teams started becoming more superior. We were winning awards. We were getting things done. And my claim to fame, at least in my heart, I would scream and yell at these individuals to the point where I know other people thought they hated me. But yet, most of my junior enlisted, after I got out, all invited me to either be a best man in their wedding or participate in their weddings, invited me to the births of their children. So I must have done something right. And the older I've gotten and the more that have still stayed in touch with me, I've got four or five that I've been out 20 25 years and they're still contacting me and checking in with me that it tells me that it was all about the journey and I have enjoyed it so much because I know that they have shared and they have taken that philosophy with them. Remember, it is not about you. It's about what you can bring to the table to help another human being. And if you keep that focus, if you keep that drive and directive, you will benefit. I mean, I, I feel completely exonerated from any of the, the just crazy things I might have done to motivate them with the fact that they learned something. And I think they're better leaders today. At least I hope so. But I that's that's that pretty too. much the story. <laughs> I think they would say that too. They would say, okay, so before we uh, jump in any further, Alex says, hey, Tony. <laughs> ah, simplified devil dog. Alex, no hi for me. <laughs> and um, Nathan uh, wants to know, are there any business development opportunities? And what, so, give me a little bit more on what you mean by business development opportunities. Do you mean within CBP? Or within DHS or in general in the federal marketplace? Yeah, we'll, we'll wait for Nathan. Nathan, let us know what specifically you're looking for. Um, and then Tony will answer your questions. So uh, Solomon says, hey, everyone. We shout our people out. Alex is laughing. <laughs> so Tony, one of, one of the things that when we were, um, when I was reading your bio and looking at some of the things that you've done, I saw in there that you had the first successful national mentor protege program. So, you know, when I, when I was thinking about inter- introducing you, I'm like, he is really the guru of mentorship. <laughs> like, he's the first national well. one. So how, you know, what made you, get to the point where you wanted to develop this program. Tell us what it was like. And is it still, is it still in effect today? Unfortunately, no, it expired when I left GSA. It was what a few people politely told me a cult of personality. Mm. Uh, I was hired in 2009 to one of the ambitions they had was for me to be the, the veteran small business development person for general services administration. So I worked at headquarters and I worked directly under the secretary's office as well as for the senior executive that was what's called an OSBU, Office of Small Business Utilization, which anybody out there who wants to do business with the federal government know what an OSBU is because you need to be dealing with them. And I'll be more happy to talk a little bit more about that later if someone has a question. 
Okay. But I was hired to do that. And the day I started, my first day, the uh, deputy executive director pulled me aside and said, oh, we forgot to tell you, you also need to develop a mentor program for us. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, how long do I have? He goes, oh, it was supposed to start Monday. (laughs) And it was was Thursday. So I was like, you mean three days ago? She goes, yes, go get them. They handed me a program that was a, a binder of paper and said, you can work it out. So I built the airplane while it was flying. Uh, we went from having one mentor-protege agreement, and these mentor-protege agreements were between small businesses and large businesses, or small businesses with larger businesses that still were in the small business realm that wanted to do federal work. So my responsibility was to be not a nursemaid, because that sounds degrading, but I was there to shepherd these relationships and grow them. When I left five years later, we had uh, 200, I think it's like 223 relationships in place. I had Lockheed Martin. I had Boeing. I had, had a lot of businesses. I also had more veterans in the program than any other program except for the VA. And I was loving every minute of it because we were making millions and millions of dollars for small businesses because we were bringing them to the table, getting them together. The large businesses were training the small businesses. I was helping to teach the larger businesses how to reach to the small businesses and get the most from them and teach the small businesses how to go to the large businesses and ask for the right things to help them go to the next level, to develop their business, their market, or even just understand skills that they needed. Like some of them need to, they needed a security clearance to be able to bid on a particular project. They would partner with a mentor-protege agreement, be approved through SBA, through ourselves. They could bid on a contract. When the contract would be won, the prime, which is the larger business, could work with them about sponsoring them for security clearances so they could bid on their own work later. It was meant to be a growth program, a small business growth program. Wow. That's and amazing. I loved every minute of it. It was wonderful. How long, how long did it last? Five years. Now, there mm-hmm. is a program that is still existing. It's in the SBA, and it's a mentor-protege program for all small business. So you can go to the SBA's main website and you can just type in mentor protege and it will take you to that page and it will tell you all the requirements and what you need to do to be, to apply and be approved. Okay. Great. But I have no problem talking to people like in an event like this on what to look for in a mentor and how to make sure that number one, you're making a good match. And then number two, you're working with somebody that only understands your market but also can help you grow and go to the next level because there are some companies that would use you or some companies that might take advantage of your status. Right. So Tony, I'm going to pause for a second here. Um, shout out some more folks, some more comments came through and then we'll, okay. we will get into that. We'll get into some of the questions around, um, around uh, mentorship. So Nathan, he responded back. He's in cyber sales and okay. he wants, to find clients in the federal space. He also wants to know, is it OSDU? When you said the OSBDU, Oscar Sierra Bravo. It's for, it's uh, 
the small business office of small business, uh, small business utilization. Okay. So OSB like boy, you. Yes. And then he says, can you mentor me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will tell you this. And first (laughs) we spoke about this. Uh, I am on LinkedIn and I have no problem answering questions. I do not mind dialoguing with people. If I'm available, uh, I have been uh, transferred currently. I'm at the office of the commissioner. So I'm a little bit pulled in like nine different directions. But when I do have some free time, I have no problem working with individuals. So I'll, I'll do what I can to point you in the right direction and send you, if I don't help you, to send you to someone who can help you. That would be fantastic. He says, thank you. So um, Solomon says, hi, Renee, you guys are awesome. Thank you, Solomon. (laughs) So um, Tony, one of the, you know, one of the questions that tends to come up very often here, and it probably will show up at some point, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do it relatively early is what, what a person should look for when they're looking for a mentor, how do they find a good mentor? That's oh. a question that always comes up. That's a so, million dollar question. Yep. Okay. I have had, I've had individuals ask me this question before. And the focus I always come back to them is what do you want to be? What, what do you want your company to be? What do you want to be? Now this goes for if you wanted to have a personal mentor in your life, or if you wanted to have a mentor for your business, the, the philosophy is still the same is whomever you're talking to or whomever you're reaching out to, do they have skills, talents, capabilities, or do they have a knowledge, something that you don't have, something that you wish you had, or you wish you had the ability to step up into that arena? So maybe, for example, I am mentoring a young lady who wants to be a GS-14 project manager. She has the basic skills, but what I'm working with her is, teaching her first how to be a GS-14. And then after we work with teaching her how to be a GS-14 and the requirements and responsibilities, then we're going to work on her project management skills. So everything's in a stage. You know, you don't do everything at one time. Now, make sure the person or the business, we're going to use the entity, is something that you want to aspire to. Also, it has to be something that works with you. It has to work with your either your skill set, your ethics, your background. For, for me to recommend for a small business to go talk to Lockheed Martin and say, be my mentor. Lockheed Martin's going to look at you and say, why? And if you don't have an answer, you've just wasted that opportunity. So I spent more time coaching these small businesses to understand they need to know what they want. So if you don't know what you want when you look for that mentor, anything you get will be acceptable. So know your purpose, know your direction, know what you want from another person, and also understand, find out if somebody is going through challenges that match your challenges. Let's say that when I first joined uh, the government back in 2009, I came from the private sector. I mean, I walked out of a senior vice president role where I was making command decisions at the CEO level 
to coming to the government to where I was a worker. I was used to having an expense account. I was used to being able to have someone else make all my plane arrangements. Uh, They booked everything for me. All I did was show up at work and just check my calendar. I had a rude awakening my first day as a government employee. A rude awakening. And I had a young lady who went out of her way to give me guidance for about the first three to six months and really made the difference for me. Made being in the government not only pleasant, but also helped teach me that being in the government means that you are a steward to the taxpayer. And it changed my mentality. It was no longer, again, about how smart I am, how talented I am, what I bring to the table. It was more of what can I do with my team? What can I do to aspire to help the people around me be more productive? I can imagine how. That was a long answer to a what makes a good mentor. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's great. I did have, I, I mean, there are so many takeaways there. But one of the ones that I was curious about is when you said, because I know my audience or this audience, the Breaking Into Cyber audience, tends to be a combination of veterans Um, you know, public sector, private sector, and everyone may not necessarily know what it means to be a GS-14. So when you have a mentee and you said you're teaching her how to be a GS-14, can you kind of explain what that, you know, what that means, what GS-14 means in in regular speak? (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Let's say if if two individuals were sitting down to work together and one person has been a manager, for at least, say, four or five years, knows the ropes, has experience, has seen good times, has seen bad times, seen the markets go up, markets go down, had to hire, had to fire, but has a nice, well-rounded experience. And then you have someone who's just been hired that's been there six months, maybe coming from another career field. This is a brand new environment. They're bringing them up to their level. So they're trying to make them a manager or trying to make them understand the responsibilities and roles of a manager. The roles and responsibilities of a GS uh, 13, 14, and 15 are pretty much that of at the senior level, you're doing the same work in the military that senior officers do at the uh, major and above level. So they're doing headquarters work. They're doing chief of staff work. They're doing senior operational policy, regulation, command, and control. So when I talk about helping her be a 14, she is breaking into that. She's at, she's a 12 right now, so she is ready to make that step. But she wants to make sure that in her mind, she's confident enough in her capabilities that she could be apply for a position and be able to execute it. Okay. Okay. So, so it's so- anything that's a, a senior position. And again, a GS-14 is roughly equivalent to a lieutenant colonel in, okay. or a, a full commander in the Navy. And what, what is that in a, from a... Um, from a, a civilian level? Civilian, right, uh, right. At least a, a managing senior director or possibly a vice president. Depending on the size of the business, the larger the company, like at a, a Raytheon or a Bose Allen you would be a, a team lead over a, an entire sector, over an entire group. So you could have, say, maybe 10 to 20 people under you. Okay. okay. Perfect. 
Are you hearing an echo? Mm -mm. I hear an echo. Okay, Nathan uh, is commenting again. He has military grade tech stack nine by nine patents that stops ransomware before it has a chance to deploy. So definitely sounds like the type of person that would be great in. Um, yeah, uh, I'll tell you right now, Nathan, what you should do is you should probably, when we're done, I can make sure, Renee, I'll give you the information for mm -hmm. DHS to reach out to their Office of Small Business Utilization. We need to put Nathan in chart in touch with them so he can reach out to the project managers and program managers over the IT security area because yeah. they need to know he exists. Yep. Sounds fantastic. So, and it is that simple. Solomon's saying yes, there is an echo, but it's getting better. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I heard one too, but it seems like it went away, which is good. Someone says, as Tony is suggesting, there are a lot of opportunities for leadership in the federal government. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, CBP, I was very impressed when I found out about this. We have an internal uh, mentoring program that is really, it's pretty spot on. What we do is you're allowed to have up to officially two protégés. If you are a GS 15 and below, they expect you to at least a minimum of two, but it's put into our career plans also for us to take at least two to three people and share the wealth, go around, work in different groups, work with different people, have them reach out to us. And uh, Alex is a perfect example. Alex can testify to this. He's also a very good mentor that we have been blessed to have a group of people within CBP that want to do it. No one's twisting anybody's arm. It is a volunteer item and a lot of people have stepped up to the plate. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's it's awesome that you have baked in programs um, because I know, especially in the, the private sector and for people who are on the outside, you know, that's why I asked that question, how do you find a great mentor? Um, people who, what we tend to get often, um, again, and it's breaking into cybersecurity space, is that we have folks that have had the education, the certifications, you know, they've done pretty much what people are telling them to do, but they just have such a difficult time breaking in. And we know that mentorship is so important and it helps. Um, and so they're very much on the outside, you know, looking up, looking in, saying, how can I speak to, you know, a chief information security officer or somebody reaching out to people? You know, I've had dozens probably or more people reach out to me asking for mentorship. Um, and so it's great that you guys have a built in program, mm -hmm. you know, that everyone you're, you know, you're looking for people to mentor and mentors. I mean, mentees are looking for mentors. Um, so for the folks who are kind of external, who are not in a company yet or not in an organization yet, and they're looking to do that, what are some pieces of advice? I mean, I know you said, you know, look up and see people that you see people that, you know, you look up to or know what you want. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to think from their perspective, like as a Networking. person. Right, Networking is so the forth. answer. And yep. LinkedIn, this is a perfect tool right here. What you're doing right now, you're opening up an avenue for individuals to meet people that they may never, ever have a chance to meet ever before. 
and they can ask a question like Nathan's been asking me questions right now and you can get some guidance. I might be able to introduce him to somebody who might make an, an absolute change. And all I'm doing is just hand him a phone number and a name and saying this person's competent. So it's, again, you never underestimate the value of networking. It is worth its weight in platinum. And I'll give you a real world example. When I, before I came back to the federal government, I had a break in my government service. And Alex Harrington, who I brought up earlier, uh, he's the one that pushed me to come back into the government. Yeah, I was working in the security world, doing other things. And he just kept saying, you know, you're getting old. You know, you need to come come back to the government, share your knowledge, settle down, quit going overseas, quit doing crazy stuff. Come in, get an office, come sit down like normal people. And I was like, okay, but he spent the time to sit and talk with me and explain the job. So when I showed up for the first interview, not only did I understand the job, I understood the expectations. I got blessed. I got lucky that I had somebody that wanted to sit down with me and just answer my questions. You'll be shocked. FCC has a lot of individuals that are volunteers that understand exactly what you're looking for. And they understand what you can do and what you cannot do. They understand the rules. They understand there's always going to be something that you can do to help someone, but you can only go so far. Like I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you the answers of the test, but I sure can explain the questions. I can walk you through it, tell you how many questions I think you're going to get, how long the test is probably going to take and good study material. So there's always going to ma'am. No, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. And there's a lot of opportunity to find locations. I use FCC as an example because that's low hanging fruit. It's right here and it's available. But LinkedIn has been a valuable resource. I've had a lot of people reach out to me. Mm-hmm. And also look at your local environment. If you are in a business setting and you are looking at doing business with another federal partner, there might be somebody in the middle that you can just sit down and ask questions of. And it's sometimes it's just a cup of coffee and start a conversation. Do not make it any more deeper than that. Because if you focus on what the goal is, but also on understanding who the human being you're talking to, don't think you're there to squeeze them like a lemon, get the juice and then run away. <laughs> Try to you know, deal with them as a human being and you'll be shocked the interaction that you get back and maybe the helpful advice. No, that's so helpful. Um, Nathan says this is a great opportunity right now. And he's right. I mean, having this platform on LinkedIn, to your point, it's the networking. We talk about it all the time, you know, for people to network, 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 network. And um they don't really, I don't think the ones who haven't done it, the ones who are effective at it, they have like completely blossomed, like they take off. And then mm-hmm. the ones who haven't just struggle. Um, so it's great to hear it from different people, different, you know, different perspectives. Right. With that. So before I ask my get into the mentee side, um, I always like for the folks at Federal Career Connection, because you come here, you're here the last Wednesday of the month, every month. 
Um, you all are amazing. I say this every single time, you know, Alex is here, Alex Harrington, who, you know, put the whole thing together. So I'm just, I'm overjoyed that he, we met and that, and that he liked this platform and we were able to partner and do this together. And then, you know, Julie Broadway that's been on here, Chris Westbrook, um, and others, so many other folks have come on and shared their expertise. And, um, you know, Tony, just please talk about FCC, what you all do. I always give, like, make sure I give multiple plugs throughout, you know, the course of this, the hour. Um, mm -hmm. But please share with the folks, you, you brought up FCC. So it stands for Federal Career Connections because some people think it's FCC. <laughs> so please talk to, talk to everyone um, about what FCC is and what you all do. And it's a volunteer-led organization. Well, I'll mm -hmm. let you get into it. <laughs> you're, you're doing a great job. Uh, it is. It's a volunteer-led. Uh, Alex, as you said before, is our fearless leader. And my disclaimer, I have known Alex since he and I were both in uniform together at the same time. So we are both uh, gray beards and long tooth. So it's been a long time. But there are other individuals that are just as talented and just as, they're just as knowledgeable and capable because it is one of those organizations or one of those small groups that focuses more on the needs of the individual coming to you, not so much on what we are putting out, but we are trying to answer questions or we're trying to answer something that might be an item that you need to know before you ask, ask the question. For example, Julie did a presentation once where she focused it primarily on know the, the answers to the questions before the questions are asked so that you're always prepared, you're never caught off guard, and it also puts you in a better position to be taken seriously, to be respected, and also to, to interview or to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation and be seen as a professional. And I know we've said this before, and I, it's people have heard it, you get one chance to make a first impression. That is so true. I have watched individuals that are so talented that make a horrible first impression. And it takes them so long to dig back out of it. And it's all because they don't realize either the gravity of the moment or they're so, they're paralyzed by fear or questioning themselves that no one has sat down and told them, you've got this, you can do it. Just give them that spark of hope that, and that's why I think this environment is perfect with what you're doing is because you are giving people a platform to be able to ask questions to get the fear out of the way and they can focus on information. So, but FCC is wonderful. It is completely driven by volunteers. And the main purpose that we have used is to educate, train, and give people an opportunity to learn how to join the federal marketplace or how to join the federal service and to be able to be federal employees or understand what it takes to be a federal employee. No, that's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Couple questions coming in. So Clint Jones is uh, graduating this December with an undergraduate degree in cybersecurity. 
-hmm. is working to obtain his security plus certification. Would that be enough to get an opportunity or should I seek out other ways, some other avenues to possibly get an entry level position? No, that's enough. That right there. And I know DHS and even CBP are currently looking in cybersecurity. If you go uh, uh, USA Jobs, I don't know if, if you've talked about that before, or shared that with individuals. USA yeah. Jobs is the best place to find out what is available. Now, there are a few agencies out there that don't really go off uh, USA Jobs. What they do is you have to go to their website and you apply for the job. And it's a little bit convoluted. But those are usually jobs that are higher in security clearances or positions that are not so much in the open exposed area. But most of the jobs, like I believe that he's looking for, you would be able to find those on USA Jobs. Just type in the opportunity you want, type in the agency you're interested in, and let, let the algorithm do its work. Yeah. I say that all the time. I think that especially the folks in the entry space, there's huge opportunity at in the federal government to get in Mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of it is not a ton of experience. Whereas I know on the private sector side, a lot of the times we see these job descriptions and they're asking for everything, you know, kitchen sink. And I see very... um, um, the, the, the jobs that I do see from the federal government, when I do take a look occasionally, I'll see that cybersecurity entry level roles are truly looking for someone entry level, you know, with a, a bachelor's degree, certifications, et cetera, not a whole slew of experience. So, um, I tend to point people in your direction very often, um, that are trying to break in because I think that's a, a, a great avenue. And also, do not be afraid to take a job at a lower level. Uh, and I'll, a perfect example, the young lady who I was speaking to right before we started, who called me, uh, was very quick to tell me that you know, things are going great, but she has a master's degree and she is going in as a GS7. But that was her best opportunity to get in and have an opportunity for growth, but she'll be a GS nine probably this time next year. Yeah. And that's another thing. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I think internal mobility is definitely um, underrated. Mm. I don't think people realize, you know, you get your foot in the door and then you just boom, boom, boom. You work, you work really do a great job at what you're doing. And then the next thing will, you have so much more opportunity when you're inside Versus outside, you know, only looking in a certain specific areas, trying to break in, trying to get in. So um, I think that's a that's a great example of someone coming in, having the masters, going for a lower role, but will pop up. And in a couple of years, will be just right where, you know. Right it it all comes down point. to opportunity and putting yourself in the right position to be noticed. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So my next question is around the mentee. Because obviously, you know, we have our mentors and we talked about how to get a mentor. And I always think about the flip side, like how to be a good mentee. <laughs> what, okay. what makes mentors want to continue to mentor um, a person? Okay, well, this is an easy question for me. And I, and I will only speak on behalf of myself on this. 
it comes down to, I observe people, I watch, and I have had, I've lost count of how many people have asked me to be their mentor. And probably half of them within the first maybe hour of knowing them, I know it's not going to work out. So what I do is I just, I'm polite. I try to give them as much information as possible, or I think they might be right to work with someone else. And I will not push them off, but I will recommend they reach out to someone else to speak. Uh, Most of the time, the ones that attract me are the individuals that don't really come asking me for things. They come telling me what they are looking for, what their ambitions are. I would like to be able to do the following. Because that means I can sit down and listen. And I wonder, do I have anything to offer this person? Because if somebody were to come to me and say, I want to be a mathematician, I'm going to politely say, well, you're wasting your time with me because I use a calculator for everything. So I'm the wrong person. But I know know, Sally over here, who has a degree in applied mathematics, who is a genius. She would be a great person for you to talk to. And maybe Sally's not the right person to be your mentor, but she might recommend you to someone else. But it's it's usually, uh, it's, they have to have some type of relationship. There's got to be an opportunity to get to know them. Every person that's ever been a protege with me or a mentee, I have met in a social environment first. I have probably at least two or three times met and had a cup of coffee or met them either one-on-one or with a few other people to where we have had some type of dialogue that has nothing to do with work, where I've gotten to know them on their character, to know what their aspirations are, not just for work, but maybe if it's a young gentleman or a young lady, what do they want to be 10 years from now? And they like to talk about that. That's what I look for. I look for people that have drive and have ambition. Uh, I'm not a magic genie. You know, you cannot come here and rub my forehead and miracles happen. I'd like to wish and think they would, but they don't. No, it's more along the lines of I have to see if there's any connection to where I even feel like I could be of an advantage or of help. And if not, that's when I just, you know, it were ships passing in the night. I just try to give them another beacon to go to to keep them safe. But that's the most important thing that at least has been in my experience. And then the last is sometimes I have people thrust upon me. I have had one or two people that I've had someone say, here you go, Tony, you need to teach this person. You need to train this person. Those are the ones I don't really look forward to. And those are ones are usually like getting a root canal. I mean, they can work, but those were mostly when I was, in the private sector after the military, when I, I got my first position as a junior vice president, they gave me three people that they wanted me that were junior directors that were my age to try to bring them up. The problem is, is they tried to bring me down mm. and they didn't like the fact that they had to say yes, sir. And no, sir. To me, they liked the fact that when we went to meetings, they had to sit at the, the back row, they didn't get to sit at the table. So they almost made my life more difficult while they were sponges squeezing off of me 
with nothing to offer back, even insight, even feedback. So I didn't care for those relationships. I know that sounds kind of self-centered. I apologize, but you know, there's, I'm not stretch Armstrong. I can only go so far. (laughs) That's a reference right there from the (laughs) seventies. That's good. Um, What is, um, you know, what's, I I appreciate the honesty and I, I want, people to realize that mentors are not, like you said, you're not just squeezing somebody like a lemon, you take the juice and you walk away. Because what I've seen sometimes is I will have uh, people reach out and say, I'm looking for, you know, they're looking for mentors and, or they reached out and they found, they think they have this mentor, but the mentor doesn't respond back. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, they, they get, you know, they, they get like a little bit agitated like, you know, this mentor. And what I try to tell folks is, you know, what are you providing for them too? And these people have lives, like they're the mentor yeah. component is, is extra, right? So they're doing their day jobs, they have families, they have all this other stuff, and then they have you. And how are you, um, how are you showing up as a mentee? So that's why um, I asked that question. I thought it's always a, um, a good question that comes up. Well, there are there are three things that I tell anybody. If you're looking for a mentor, you better have these three things. And, and also, I could say as a mentor looking down, you need to enforce these things. The first one is, is there has to be focus. You have to know what you're going after. You cannot use a shotgun approach. So if the individual shows up and sits down with you and says, today I want a federal job. And then two weeks later, well, you know what? Maybe I should go to the private sector. And then two weeks later, you know, I was thinking about a non-for-profit. <laughs> you have got to rein them in. You got to rein them in fast. Because what's going to happen is they're going to overload themselves with opportunities or options. And they're going to paralyze themselves with fear after a while. They will not be able to make a decision. So you're going to have to pull them back and you have to do the 20 questions. Every time they come to you and say, I want to do this. Your answer should be, or response should be, why do you want to do that? What do you hope to aspire? What do you hope to get from it? What do you think is going to be the next step after you? I mean, you have to rattle down and make sure that they understand they have to have focus. The second thing is you have to help them establish goals that are obtainable. I had one individual that told me that they wanted to be a black, a master black belt, uh, Lean Six Sigma. And I told them they could do it. And they were like, well, then let's start today. I'm like, okay, you need to be a, a, you know, a white belt. And they looked at me and go, no, no, I want to start. I want to be a black belt. And I was like, well, we're talking about six years, maybe seven years of experience. And they were like, oh, no, I don't have time for that. I mean, I'm on the clock. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I sure didn't do it fast. It took me a long time and it took me a lot of experience, a lot of talking to people and learning. So that was an unrealistic goal. But if they would have come to me and say, I want to be a green belt, that it can be done in a year that reasonably can be done in one year. And it's not hard to guide someone to do it. Uh, I even took one person, put them on an opportunity with me and then unbeknownst to the government, I flipped the roles. They thought I was the program manager all along. And in reality, I was 
making myself the deputy program manager. And this young lady was the program manager. Nobody knew it, but me and her. Yeah. And it allowed her to make any mistakes, anything that went wrong. I took the blame for it. Everything that worked right. She got the credit for it, but yet it just gave her a confidence boost. And it also now she's running programs and she doesn't need me at all. I'm a burden now. I mean, if I show up, it's kind of like you slow me down, old man. Come on, let me do my job. (laughs) But the last one, and I preach this like it's gospel, consistency. If you're going to mentor someone or if you're going to be mentored by somebody, you have to have a schedule. You have to have some type of a philosophy of we are going to meet once a month or we're going to meet bi-weekly or bi-monthly or there's got to be something and you got to stay to it because if not all the hard work you're you've done everything you've aspired to will be wasted because it will just dissipate so focus goals and consistency if nobody listens to anything else i say on what you need from a mentor or as a mentor to do for a protege or a mentee those three things to me are the most critical. I'll get back to you now. Sorry. That's fantastic. I took copious notes. <laughs> well, now I feel even more important. <laughs> okay, and so also, maybe- choose your goals wisely. And I have, I have focused this little conversation with individuals before because people will take goals that are short-sighted. For instance, they'll see, well, this is a trend. I want to jump into this and I'll pull them back and say, are you sure that's going to be a trend five years from now? So you're focusing everything now for this one particular area. But yet if you took, and I'll use my family for say, I'm sitting down lecturing a young man right now on, he needs to get a degree in business administration, business management, instead of the little narrow field that he wants, because I'm afraid if he goes down that one path and if he hits a block and something slows him down, it might derail him. But if he starts wide and moves in, go from, for all these prior military out there in military, go from a shotgun to a sniper rifle. You know, mm-hmm. it's a wide approach to a very pinpoint accurate approach. And mm-hmm. I think that makes a difference. That's great advice. Awesome advice. So Nathan's making a comment again. Nathan, I love the engagement. Nathan says, I'm so surprised that people are afraid to begin with sales. I'm learning so much from doing work and I get to interact with all the decision makers. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to make connections and learn while uh, getting certain. I'm also applying for a bachelor's program. So You, my friend, are ambitious. You're brave and you also have moxie. You're going to go a long ways. Yeah. Nathan is doing some real, real awesome stuff. Um. And I lost my thought right before oh, <laughs> I was well, listening to what uh, Nathan was saying. Well, one other thing that, and I, I try to instill this with the the younger people that I work with that are going to get older, they're going to stay in the career field, is that be very mindful of anything and everything that you say or that you do. It's going to have an impact, not just on you and your perceived personality, your reputation, but it could even go so far as to impact 
another person's career, their ambitions, their hopes, even their outlook on life. So if you even think that you want to be a mentor, take it serious. Do not be haphazard with it. I have heard people, I'm just going to mentor this person. That terrifies me because if you can be that flippant, it's like saying, well, I'll just go do this or I'll go do that. What have you done to plan? Have you done the logistics? Have you mapped out what you're going to do to offer it to somebody else? Or are you just going to hope and pray something's going to happen? Uh, those are the individuals that make me uncomfortable because I think they do more harm than good. Yeah. Are there? Are okay. There, so okay. says, thanks, thanks once again. again. I will connect on LinkedIn. Have a good night, everyone. So have a good night, Nathan. Um, are there programs for mentors? So you thought you brought up that, that um, point about mm -hmm. a young you know, younger people who want to mentor people underneath them. Mm -hmm. And how do they, how do you become, really become a mentor? Is there a program? Is there a specific approach to people who want to become a mentor, um, who've never mentored anyone before and they don't know where to begin or where to start, but they believe that, you know, either someone's come up to them and say, hey, can you mentor me? Mm -hmm. Um or they believe that they can do it, but they may not necessarily have the tools. I have always told individuals that have approached me that it will ask, like, what's it take to be a mentor? Uh, how do I know I would be a good mentor? I ask them, what's your ability to listen? If you can listen more than you talk, if you can take in more information than you push out, you can be a good mentor. Because the entire purpose is, is finding what direction and what's best for that person and giving them guidance. You have to look inside yourself to find out, are you willing to invest time in other people? And not everybody's willing to. It's We are in a society now where everybody wants everything super fast. Everybody, we have a McDonald's mentality. We want to pull up. We want to order our happy meal, get it and run. And now we're successful. It doesn't work that way. It takes a lot of time, and a lot of energy. So I would always recommend there are lots of things you can do. One is look in your current community, uh, whether it be a church, social group. Uh, it could be like in a school and in a college. Uh, I started mine really when I was in debate in college. I was on a national debate team and I learned how to listen and make a, a cogent thought and turn it into an argument. But it made me learn to start listening to other people and find out what they needed and what would make them be able to be able to do their job. And I took that to the military and mine was all a growth pattern. It did not happen overnight. It took, I am the sum of about 30 years of listening and learning. And there are no shortcuts, but there are a lot of courses. There are a lot of books you can read. There are tools out there that can enable you. And it's even so far as you can go to Amazon and you can just type in how to be a mentor. You'll be shocked. There are books out there that will teach you something. Might not teach you everything, but everything's got something worth listening to, even people. Agreed. So I, I remember my thought now, the 20 questions you said oh. uh, that you asked them when, when, when you went through the three focus goals 
and consistency, there was 20 questions in there. And I was curious mm-hmm. as to what that it was that they really, is it really 20 questions. Yeah. Well, I, it's a game we used to play okay. in military intelligence. It's ask 20 questions because that way you can find out what the other person is thinking. It's something to get into someone's head and it changes with the person. Like for you, if we were going to talk about uh, how would you put on a podcast? You know, I'd first ask the question, why do you want to put on a podcast? Well, I've got something I want to share with people. Why do you think anyone would want to hear that from you? Well, because I could do this. I mean, there, you just did it's Everything is geared towards an individual person. Now there are certain core questions that are, just consistent the who when what where why and how i know that didn't answer your question but it, <laughs> no it, it did it did answer. The right <laughs> it did no sometimes i'm on mute so if it takes me a minute to respond i'm just unmuting myself so uh Will figure, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, says I have my security plus and system security certified practitioner and I still cannot land a job. Do you guys have any suggestions? Well, it depends on what type of job you're looking for. Are you looking for a federal position? Are you looking for one in the private sector? And if you're looking for one in the private sector, it's maybe you're just the way you've done your resume you're not really selling yourself correctly and you need to take a step back. You need to review your resume and how you're presenting yourself. And maybe you need to put a cover letter. Maybe you need to explain yourself, uh, tell your story of what makes you, what has been your, your path to where you want to be and why you feel like you'd be a valuable to that company and why you should be given an opportunity to interview. Again, I can have all the answers. I'm the great and powerful Oz sitting here, but because uh, I don't know what these companies are looking for, but that's one. And the same thing with the government. The government is sometimes it's just luck. You have to be at the right place at the right time with that lucky pencil that you have an agency that has decided we've got five billets and we need to hire five entry level people. And you're one of 5,000 people that applied and you filled out your resume correctly and all the buzzwords were there and they're willing to make that first cut and look at you and assess your resume. It could be that simple and it could also be that complicated. Yeah. I know that's not answering your question, sir, but I do want you to know that there are opportunities out there, especially in today's environment. You just simply have to keep finding that the best way to crack in to the recruiters or crack into the individuals that are doing the initial surveys. And I wonder, I just want to add from a, I know from a private sector standpoint, if he has, and I can't tell from the, I think it is a, a person, a man. Um, if we'll figure, if you have the, Security plus and the and the certification. If you have experience, because I know when it comes to the private sector, that is very important. And the experience can be as small as an internship, or you know, self directed projects that you're working on, talking about your home lab. You know, like really specifically outlining in your resume what you're doing to be hands on. So that a person just doesn't see from a 
from a private sector perspective, just like, you know, the education standpoint. Um, internships do not have to be paid. They can cool. be unpaid internships and they're just as valuable. They can be with non-for-profits. They can even go back to your old university or if you're still at that university and you want to be a teacher's assistant or teachers. I was a grad assistant and that's one of the things that helped me because uh, they tried to push me for my PhD and I laughed and told them I had enough school. I was done for a while. <laughs> so, uh, Pam, Pam, hi, Pam. I see some people here that I haven't seen in forever. Uh, Pam Gilmore says, excellent point. But I think it was back when you were making the point about the mentee, you know, like how to, the the three top points, you know, the questions that you asked. I'll take it however she meant it. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, Tony, we're, in, we're, you know, we're getting close to that, that 60 minute mark. Um, and I did want to, you know, this is an area that just something you brought up in the very beginning um, is an area that we don't typically talk about much here. That's why I was actually excited to see Nathan talking about, you know, the small business aspect, because a lot of times people who, you know, end up in this typically come to these um, live streams and broadcasts are focusing on, jobs, right? right? So it's an individual and they're focusing on, um, you know, a job opportunity versus a company or a small business looking at that from, you know, being a protege and getting a mentor in that, in that perspective. So I'm glad you were able to actually kind of like talk through that and forgive my <laughs> outbursts <laughs> that are coming. So I wanted to know what other pieces of it, you know, it's, it's like, you know, in, in the last couple of minutes, final pieces of advice, but really final pieces of advice when it comes to um, businesses, you know, people like, like Nathan, you know, small businesses or, or a person who may want to, who may look at, look at this and say, you know, I can't find, a, I can't get a cybersecurity job, but I do have this knowledge and I do have this expertise. Does it make sense to, you know, get together with friends and, and start a business or, you know, start something on my own and find a mentor that way. So I just wanted to hear your expertise since you stood this program up, which was phenomenal. Right. Well, one of the things that I did was I started going around to trade associations and I started making myself available not to be a speaker, but to be a participant, just to go in there and sit at a table and get to know people. And I could probably rattle off about five or six trade associations that have been wonderful to me over the past 20 years that have just allowed me to, here you go, Tony, we're going to have a luncheon today. And once you come on down, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll pay for your, your lunch, but I want you to sit at a table and I want you to talk to people. And that's what I would do. I would sit at a table and I would put a, a little sign and say, who wants to be a mentor? And you'll be shocked how many people would come and sit down and say, tell me more about that. Or uh, who wants to learn about small business? I would flip, I'd change it all the time, wherever I was or with whatever group. But the focus really centered on, from the business aspect of it, was there's so many qualified and competent small businesses out there that are missing opportunities. They are missing their, their ability to get, uh, as the old adage for, as a camel to get their nose under the tent, you know, to be able to get there and have an opportunity to play in the big leagues because you're going to get muscled out 
by larger businesses or smaller businesses that understand the system. Getting into a trade association or a group can answer a lot of questions. One, it's a multitude of numbers. You have more people there to give you information, ideas. Plus, it's a great place to look for if you're looking for a mentor. Or if you're a large enough business and you're wanting to test yourself out as a protege. You know, is, is there's always this, there's ways to, I, I can, maybe I'll show up at this trade association and I'll find a smaller business than me that I can help. And in turn, I can get ahead. It's, do not be afraid to take a risk. Do not be afraid to take a chance. Because the only thing that not taking a chance will get you is nothing. So if you don't try, you're guaranteed to fail. I was, I was just about to say that saying. My dad used to always say, "Nothing beats a failure but a try." He said that all. He would say that all the time. Um, so Pam Gilmore says, "Thank you for pointing out mentoring. Very, very valuable. Um, I think it's so valuable. So many we get the questions so so often. So I was really excited that this is a topic that you know is very dear to your heart. That you have." hundreds of mentees and protégés that I've you know keep coming, keep coming back that you have been um, blessings in their lives um you know to be that person that they could look up to and ask questions and you know and get advice from so this has been fantastic tony thank you so so much for being here thank you federal wow. career connections for continuing to bring on amazing speakers every month folks um, make sure you mark your calendars. It's the fourth, I think it's the fourth Wednesday of every month, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, always an amazing volunteer person from Federal Career Connection that will come on and talk through, you know, different aspects of federal government, you know, getting into the, the getting a federal, um, getting, you know, jumpstarting your federal career if that's what you want to do. The small business aspect, which we've never talked about, that's, you know, another component. And just, you know, sharing knowledge around the federal space, because Lord knows, I say it every month, I am not the person, <laughs> it's not my area of expertise. So bringing you all on is fantastic. Um, another person here says, I don't know who this is, says, Tony, your passion for mentoring and helping others is fabulous. So I'm going to try and see. Oh, I was going to tell you. This doesn't have to be a one time. If you'd like for me to come back, I would be more than happy. And if you let individuals know in advance that they want to send questions in, I'll look at the questions ahead of time and we can talk to those questions, especially yes. on individuals that are looking for mentors. I'd be more yes. than happy to talk to them about it. Oh, that's Chris Westbrook. Hi, Chris Westbrook. Hey, Chris. I, was talking, <laughs> I was just talking about you this week. Um, Chris Westbrook, I love her. Yes, Tony, you have to come back. Chris, you have to come back. Yeah. You want her before you want me. She's a lot better. <laughs> She's so good. I was just talking to someone about, you know, the CIA and CIA opportunities and how amazing Chris is and what what invaluable information she's provided. So I just, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be, to have all of you now in my network um, and can bring you on. And yes, you definitely have to come back and we'll get people who are interested and ask questions and prep and, and do all that. So thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you all audience. You all are awesome. And um, 
we will see you here. Well, for Federal Career Connections, we'll see you in a month. For Breaking into Cybersecurity, CISO Thursdays is tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern with our infamous CISOs, James Azar, Naomi Buckwalter, my co-host, uh, Chris Folon, and I think we have a special guest tomorrow. I just need to confirm um, that we do have someone tomorrow. But always hot topics, always a lot of fun. We'll see you there uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. So have a good night, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Bye.